0: Her case was splashed across tabloids throughout the world, a sex-fueled night ending in a bloodbath. But the real story behind one of Italy's biggest cases may surprise you. Was this just another botched investigation or a prosecution team run amok? This week's episode is Amanda Knox. Up in the night, your heart fills with dread
1: Well, before we get to anything today, we need to make a public apology to, quite frankly, an entire country. A, a nation
0: torn apart by our stupidity. I apologize. <laughs> On behalf of myself and Christy, and really it was my stupid thing I well, said. Well, I didn't
1: know either. But you were very supportive of my stupidity. Well, yes, yeah, yeah, improv is drilled into 101, me. <improv-1> 101, improv. yes and, even if
0: you're wrong. Even if I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I just would like to say uh, sorry to Canada. I understand from the many very kind messages so that- So kind. You do have dimes, and it's called a toonie and not a doonie. I was thinking right. like duo, like two, due in Italian, to bring Ooh. it back to today's case. But I apologize, and honestly, the only way for me to make it up is for me to kiss Justin Trudeau on the mouth. Oh, my
1: God. So if you— Then I would also like to say, (laughs) I apologize, and this is also the only way that I can be forgiven. I just need Justin Trudeau's big, strong arms (laughs) to hold me and tell me that everything's going to be okay. That's one of the— man many reasons that canadians have a leg up on us is (sighs) their leaders are fucking fine he's
0: smoking hot and smoking hot he's an
1: amazing feminist Mm -hmm. he can punch people right in the face he's great guy champion boxer would love for him to come be an american and run for president i would vote for him they wouldn't let us have him and i don't blame them that's true you guys deserve him
0: uh, another So I've been to Canada once, and I want to bunch I of money. I've never been, and I want to go so bad. One went in the casino in Niagara Falls. My parents looked at the squirrels,
1: and they said, we don't have squirrels like that in America. We absolutely do. I just want to say <laughs> Oh, it. gosh. Please, we know that squirrels are Canadian and American. They're, but I think the color was different, but it's just how squirrels in the north look. Their color different different. They're they, a little lighter, probably. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think they're more gray than they are brown. Yeah. But uh, another cool place I went one time was Italy. Fabulous Italy. Yeah. I got to go. I don't know. I talked in a British accent there. I went to Milan and I went to Verona, which is in Romeo and Juliet, our fair city of Verona. And I went to Lake Como, which is where George Clooney lives. Did not see Clooney, but it was the most beautiful place on earth. And I
1: would go back in a heartbeat. Canada deserves an apology, but also Amanda Knox. deserves a real big apology. Well, spoiler alert, she got one in the form of a bunch of money. (laughs) Yes, that's true. As as Well deserved. Yeah. Today we are talking about Amanda Knox. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. We're going to be talking about this case and how it rocked not just a nation, but kind of the entire world. It was worldwide. There were... News reports in Taiwan, of course,
0: in the U.S., all over the U.K., where that's where the victim was Obviously. from, Australia, Italy. I mean, everywhere.
1: It was worldwide mm-hmm. news. It was pretty wild. So let's get into it. In 2005, Amanda Knox graduated from Seattle Preparatory School, a private Jesuit high school in Seattle, Washington, and went on to attend the University of Washington. Self-described as quirky and different, yet comfortable with who she was, she was Amanda decided to go to Italy to study abroad to try and find herself and get out of her comfort zone. Her family considered her outgoing, but naive, and worried about her being in Italy on her own. However, this did not deter Amanda, and in 2007, she went to study abroad in Perugia, Italy, a town known for its universities and large student population.
0: Let's just start this off by saying this could be me. First of all, I graduated in high school in 2005 very quirky weird kid anybody that went to <laughs> comfortable any... with who you were very co- yeah nice and uh i was a weird weird kid especially my friends from high school can attest to how bizarre i was i took a plastic gnome on our senior trip to new york and just t- instead of taking pictures of myself in places just i have a whole photo album of just
1: pictures. i think that's very fun <laughs> it no it's like flat stanley
0: yes exactly but it was in my gnome it was so strange and I would not be deterred by anyone telling me that I was too naive to go to Italy. And were my parents not, you know, working class folk, if we were some rich Seattleites like these folks, mm-hmm. I, who knows? I may have tried to study abroad in college. I have.
1: have. I, I never – I don't even remember thinking about studying abroad in college, but I – would looking back if i did it all over again 100 percent, i probably wouldn't even go to college i would just go travel <laughs> everyone knows my opinions on college don't go to college don't go, go to college out. it costs hundreds of thousands of useless dollars you take that money and go travel and find yourself like she was going to do. I traveled abroad and came to the Cayman Islands.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, in law school, and it was 100% worth it. Ooh, would do a nice. game, 10 out of 10. I have been to
1: the Cayman Islands, and they are gorgeous.
0: So she decides, so then she would be a sophomore in college yes, at this time. Yes,
1: exactly. 20 years old. She wasn't even 21 nope, yet. Nope, nope. In mid-September, she moved into a four-bedroom ground floor apartment at Via Della Pergola 7 that she would share with two Italian women in their late 20s, and a British fellow exchange student, 22-year-old Meredith Kircher. Amanda and Meredith were friendly with each other, and although typically ran in separate crowds, would hang out together on occasion. It was on one of those evenings, while enjoying a concert together at the university where Amanda was studying, that Amanda met Raffaele Sollecito.
0: So I read Amanda's memoir called Waiting to be Heard, And she talks about that she and Meredith were friendly and weren't best friends, but would kind of see each other in the living room or common area and kind of catch up. She did say that one time she accidentally took a big dump. (laughs) And Which one? Amanda did or Meredith Ma- did? Amanda. The, who do you think? The classy British or the American mm, person? She, again, totally relate to her. Uh, <laughs> she took a huge dump and then she apparently flushed it but then didn't like do the, the scrub brush mm. to scrub the streaks. Classic and mistake. Apparently Meredith came in and was really polite and just said, hey, um, I don't know if you're aware but the plumbing's not very good and you really have to use the brush every time. Wow. But she talked about how they weren't best best friends because it was awkward for Amanda to hear that but them, once Amanda met Raphael, that they talked about it. They would she would she Meredith would say, oh, how's it going? Granted, they only dated like five days, but she would say, oh, are you going to
1: see that guy again? How did it go? Do you really like him? And he'd met her too. Correct. Yes. yes. Have you ever had such a close relationship slash just the balls to tell a roommate you were living with, hey, you stained the toilet and I need you to go do something about it? I've had many roommates... I don't think I would have ever said that to them. One time, I had to tell
0: a roommate not to hang her panties streak crotch streak side out uh, in the bathroom. Ah, uh, what? <laughs> because my guests would complain. Yeah. It was only one bathroom and there were three of us. That's wild. Just hang your panties in your own room. Come on. Come on. It's fine. We've all had crotch streaks. All right. I'm not judging. I'm not streak shaming. But I will say all you have to do is just hang them in your own room. No one would know.
1: That's, I think,
0: the difference in these
1: situations. I would never do something like that. I can't imagine. I'm so, like, paranoid about that stuff. If I took a big shit and stained the toilet... I would flush it as many times as need be before I left that bathroom Just if I had roommates. That's
0: why there's a toilet brush next to it. Yeah, well, I digress. Anyway, so Amanda's at this concert. She describes that Raffaele, if you watch the Netflix documentary, Amanda Knox, aptly named, he it's talks about, good. he sees this girl, keeps looking at him and she was so beautiful and he hadn't really had girls be interested in him before that she just kept looking at him, kept looking at him and then he realized that she
1: was interested in him. He also looks 100% like an Italian Harry Potter. He
0: does. The old pictures, he he aged well. Oh, he looks he good. He got hotter. Mm-hmm. He's hotter now than he was back he then. Did. So, I mean, and she did, too. Yeah, I mean, they, you know what? Send me to an Italian jail. You apparently
1: come out <laughs> looking hot. Just kidding. It was not a good place. Raffaele was immediately struck by Amanda's beauty. In Seattle, she had been seen as cute. But in Italy, she was seen as a beautiful, blonde American girl. The two hit it off and for the next five days were inseparable. Unlike Amanda... Raffaele didn't have roommates, so the couple spent nights at his apartment, just a five-minute walk from Amanda's. So
0: Amanda hadn't been in Italy very long when they met, but she had gone out with her friends and gone to some clubs and she had kissed some guys and maybe like hooked up with a guy or two. But Raphael was like the first guy that they really were in a more of a relationship. They hit it
1: off. There was a spark there. It she, wasn't just the physical thing. Correct. There and was she a connection. Said, she said he was really
0: kind and caring and she talked about how they not only obviously they were hooking up too, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a hot Italian dude, a hot American girl. You do your thing. You're twenty. She also described a time when they took a shower together, but she said that he washed her hair. And then when they got out, he was like drying her hair with a towel and put little Q tips in her ear. You're not, okay. You're not supposed to do that, Let's by the stop way. Stop right there. Public service announcement. <laughs> First of all, I do it all the time. Oh, Q-tips in your hair? Hell yeah, my dude. Oh yeah, I love it. Don't, but you're not supposed to do that. And I would be. That's a lot of trust and intimacy. Yes. If you trust a man to put a Q-tip in your yeah. ear, yeah, arguably more intimate
1: than sex. Yes. I I I've been married for three plus years. Tommy's never scooped the goo out of your ear. No, Q-tips. he hasn't. Nor do I want him to.
0: <laughs> it's hard to get my dog to let me do that, but he. That's the nature of their relationship. Because I think on paper you look and you say these people only knew each other five days. But she said that her classes were kind of a joke, and they would lay around his apartment or sit at her place less often, mostly at his apartment because he didn't have roommates, and just talk and get to know each other. And it was fast and furious. Clean each other. They were
1: twenty ears. years old, and they were in gorgeous Italy. I mean, true. come on, true true love. On the evening of November first, two thousand seven, Amanda and Raffaele were hanging out at his place. Amanda was bartending at a local bar called La Chic and was scheduled to work that evening but received a text from her manager, Patrick Lumumba, telling her it was slow and she didn't need to come in. According to Amanda, she was thrilled with this news, and her and Rafaeli continued to hang out, smoke pot, make love, and eventually passed out. This La Chic bar, by the way, her job was to just be hot and sell yeah, drinks. that's 100% why Lumumba hired her, was it's just to... <laughs> get people to come in and buy drinks
0: much like when I was promoted at the magic time machine from a busser to a cocktail waitress very bad at this job again so many times throughout this except for being accused of murder so many times throughout this I uh, completely relate to relate to Amanda Knox because I was promoted at magic time machine but I was supposed to be flirty and cute and I'm just awkward. <laughs> did not sell as many drinks and was Is this <laughs> when you were dressed as Dorothy? I was dressed as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Magic Time Machine for those of you who don't know is a Dallas area restaurant where folks dress up like characters from Disney movies and Marvel just not a- folks the staff. The- oh yes, I'm sorry. You're- but I guess you could go dressed up really, as a patron if you wanted. It's discouraged
1: for people to wear costumes. <laughs> is it?
0: Yeah. But that you go and you have Superman or Cinderella or Harry Potter or Waldo <laughs> probably not anymore. I think he quit <laughs> as your waiter <laughs> and I was Dorothy from Magic or from uh, it's a
1: lot of fun for kids hot take it is trash. The
0: food's not good. The food
1: is not good. It has not been clean since 1975. We swept the carpet. I mean, it's <laughs> very dark and dingy, but kids love it. They go wild. They
0: will they they feel like they're at Disney World. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she was supposed to be a waitress at this La Chic and she was supposed to be really flirty and she said she really wasn't, so she was stoked she didn't have to go in. This was also the day after Halloween, November 1st, and apparently Halloween was kind of a big throwdown in Italy, mm-hmm. but that November 1st was really chill. The bar not all the bars were open, the ones that were were it was an strong. Italian holiday. Yeah, it's an Italian religious holiday. Mm-hmm. And she said that they read she read to him from a German version of Harry Potter and they watched Amelie, which Amelie is Amanda Knox's favorite movie or was at the time because it's about a real weird girl and she said she related a lot to Amelie. Well, there you go.
1: Well, on November second, two thousand seven, at around ten thirty AM, Amanda decided to make the short walk back to her place. Raffaele's apartment was having plumbing issues and she wanted to take a shower and change clothes. Upon arriving, Amanda noticed that the front door to her apartment was ajar. The latch was broken constantly and the roommates frequently left the door open to run to the corner store. Not a good practice. Not thinking much of it, she went into the bathroom to take a shower where she saw three pea-sized drops of blood in the sink that she thought may have come from her pierced ears, which would sometimes bleed. Still unconcerned with the scene... Amanda brushed her teeth and took a shower. It wasn't until she stepped out of the shower that she noticed the large splotch of blood on the bath mat. So people describe this as a splotch. Another uh, article I saw said it was an
0: orange-sized uh, or shaped splotch. On the documentary, you see, it looks to me like the shape of a human foot. It looks like the side of a foot, like, like half a footprint. Like print. someone, yeah, there was a
1: little bit of blood on their foot and they stepped. Mm-hmm. Amanda still wasn't super concerned and thought that maybe one of her roommates had cut themselves or were maybe on their period. It wasn't until she noticed that someone had left feces in the toilet that she started to feel creeped out and that there might be an intruder in the house and immediately called Raffaele.
0: Like I said earlier, the roommates were all very clean. So they wouldn't have left
1: a. Well, poop. yeah, they'd already told her, "Hey, get your shit together." <laughs> literally, so they're not going to be leaving no. theirs in the toilet. No, I gotta say, and no, no shade on Amanda. Once I saw that bloody footprint, alarm alarms would have gone off in my head. Yeah, she she's like, "Well, I woke up and I was ready to go
0: on a trip, so I was totally in my head, not paying attention." But she said when she went back and looked.
1: At the crime scene photos, she realized. Also, she was twenty. I was stupid as hell I when I was, was twenty. She was kind of, and honestly, she's very smart. She's a very, very smart woman, and and does wonderful things today. I think she was just kind of ditzy, yeah, and, naive. and she was she was naive. She was twenty. She was by herself. She was in love with this guy that she, she just met. She was kind of trying the rush. Yeah, yeah, she was trying
0: to rush to get out and go because yeah. they were going to go to the Italian countryside and spend the weekend together. So she gets on the phone, calls him, and says, "Hey." The house looks weird.
1: Raffaele would later say that when he arrived and saw the state of the house, he was surprised Amanda had stuck around a shower. In addition to the front door being open and blood in the bathroom, a window in one of the roommate's bedrooms had been broken, and a rock from the garden was on the floor. Amanda had noticed Meredith's bedroom door was shut and assumed she was sleeping. Their other roommates were both on vacation for the Italian holiday. Amanda knocked on Meredith's locked door several times, called out her name, and when they got no response, Raffaele unsuccessfully tried to bust down the door. Amanda then called her mother back in the States, who urged her to immediately call the police. And I think that's very telling that she called her mom. Yeah,
0: and she talks about how her mom told her when she went to Italy, which is very Nancy McKinney thing, to say, no matter what time of day it is, no matter what's going on, you always, always can call me. I'll always answer. And... I did that a lot when I was in Chicago cuz I was 20 when I moved there and I, I still do that and I'm yeah. 40. I'm so I call my mom every day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she said that she totally was in a tizzy and she didn't even think about the time difference and of course her mom answers and just says, "Amanda, are you okay? What's going on? What's going on?" and she tells her, "Hey, there's glass on the there's
1: some blood, there's some glass." And her mom said, "Get out of the house, call the police." But it's also telling that that's how naive and young she was that she thought to call her mom before the police. And she says that in
0: the memoir, that she was totally scared, totally panicked, and that's her gut reaction
1: is, call mom. Mm-hmm. Concerned that something terrible had, in fact, happened, Raffaelli called the Italian military police. Or the carabinieri. Carabin, okay. So I told oh, you Christ. before. Uh, Heather first the show started took a s-
0: semester of Italian. <laughs> One single semester of Italian. So I will be doing all which, of these,
1: which it's is more than I took. So Italian please. pronunciation, carabinieri, and was told an officer would be right over. However, instead of the carabinieri arriving, two officers with the postal police, a unit responsible for investigating technology and mail fraud, arrived. Completely unaware of how to handle a situation like this, the two officers allowed Amanda, Raffaele, and one of the other roommates and her friends, who had arrived to help, walk through the house, completely contaminating the crime scene and any potential evidence. This is the Ramsey house all over again. It really is. It's shocking how many similarities because they're are. all
0: trying the door handles they're putting their hands on Meredith's door anywhere that there would have been clear fingerprints mm-hmm. they're just smudging They've it just
1: fucked it all and up. this is
0: only the very beginning of how botched and horrible this investigation was
1: ignoring the pleas of everyone else the officers refused to break down Meredith's bedroom door saying it violated her privacy and when one of the friends saw an opportunity to take a run at it himself he did just that Behind that door lay a grisly scene. Meredith's lifeless body lay on the floor, covered in a blood-soaked blanket. There was blood on the walls, on the floor, and her bloody clothes lay strewn about. Her throat had been viciously slashed, and an autopsy would later reveal that she had been sexually assaulted. Yeah, she was basically
0: covered with her comforter, and just her foot was sticking out. Mm -hmm. And the police started saying in Italian, her foot sticking out, and when Amanda heard that, she all she could think was that she was sticking out of like a drawer. And she said she was so confused and was really worried that they had chopped her up or something. She said, I couldn't figure out how her body would have gotten in the drawers. And it wasn't until she saw that it was her foot was sticking out from under the blanket that that's what happened.
1: Giuliano Menini, the lead prosecutor for the case, eventually arrived and immediately had suspicions about Amanda and Raffaele. According to him, the new couple was standing outside the house being inappropriately affectionate with one another. They're sure tight laced, tight
0: knit in this community, or tight, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you're, they're prudish. Which is
1: surprising.
0: I thought Italians were supposed to be lovers. I did
1: too. Just based on stereotypes. Well, this guy's also an old, sexist he sack is of a shit. a piece of shit. He really is. They,
0: all throughout this investigation, you would see the word molto inappropriado, which molto means very, that just every everything she did, no matter what she did, it was molto inappropriado.
1: He was molto inappropriado. Yeah, he was. How was that? Was that a that was pretty, pretty good thing? Pretty, pretty good. good. Thank, was pretty Thank good. you. <laughs> Menini also felt that it was a staged break-in because nothing had been stolen from the house. He went on to say that Meredith's body, being covered by a blanket, was indicative of a female killer because, quote, a man would not think to do this. He's just an
0: idiot throughout this whole thing. And, I mean, we'll get into all the bots. He's very,
1: very sexist. He's
0: very sexist in all the things he says. But this is also, apparently, according to that documentary on Netflix, a thing that first-time killers frequently do. That if they've killed someone for the first
1: time, they don't know how to react and they panic and just think, oh, cover it up. It's It's a sign of... Trying to make amends in a morbid way. And remorse. Yes. And they're, they're embarrassed for what they've done and shameful. Meredith also had little cuts on her chin, possibly indicating that someone had been taunting and torturing her before killing her. This, coupled with the sexual assault and Amanda and Raffaele's bizarre behavior... That Italian authorities to quickly jump to the conclusion that this had been a group sex game gone wrong. They just get that is a huge leap. They go right from zero to
0: nine hundred in, really? in a second. And also, uh, if you look at the video footage and the photographs of Amanda and Raffaele outside of the villa while the investigation is on, played
1: a million times. It's I prob- don't, Most of you have probably seen this. They
0: don't really. To me, she looks upset, and he looks like, "Hey, sweetie, it'll be okay." They don't. And look, they kiss a few times. But I'm saying it it's very romantic and he's a very caring guy at no point do i think they look all horned up they're not
1: i again and this is very similar again to the john Bonet case they weren't acting the way that is stereotypically the appropriate way to act if you've just been informed that your roommate's been brutally murdered But that doesn't mean that they're guilty of anything. I think we should be able to act however we want to act and only go to jail if we killed somebody. Well, that's – you know what? You should run for some sort of office because (laughs) I I 100% agree. I have too many old Facebook photos that would never (laughs) get elected. Well, on November 3rd, after 24 hours, Amanda was finally let back into her house. But only because authorities who were trying to locate the murder weapon – needed her to go through the knife drawer in the kitchen to see if any were missing according to amanda it was at this moment that the severity of the situation finally hit her and she broke down covering her ears screaming and hitting herself in the head while some would see this as a panic attack Manini saw it as an admission of guilt. He straight up says she obviously was remembering
0: the screams from the night. Fool, shut the
1: fuck up. He's an idiot. And and that's the thing. How are you any kind of policeman or whatever, a prosecutor, what they call them over there, when you're completely going on emotion instead of the facts? And let's just point out, he wanted to be Sherlock Holmes. He he walks around with a pipe. He He also, in the documentary, talks about how he considers himself like a Sherlock Holmes and how he can look at all these clues and and put things together in a way that others can't. No,
0: he's more, he's closer to murder, she wrote, because he's just making it all up. He's not Sherlock Holmes never had a theory, always went on the evidence and what the most simple explanation in this case, you come in, you see a rock been thrown through the window and there's glass, obviously that's an intruder. It's not a completely insane, satanic ritual sex game gone wrong. What this guy's doing is making stories up and then trying to
1: fit the facts. yes into it. And he gr- grossly romanticized this uh, scenario that may could have happened in a in a weird twist of, of fate if something like that had happened, but Keep it simple, stupid. Holmes, razor, buddy. Yeah, and that's exactly
0: what. Sh- if, I'm sorry, I've read all of Sherlock Holmes's book multiple times, and I Another have the audio book fired up right now. So, and I, you do not besmirch the good name <laughs> of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and you do not try to act like you're Sherlock Holmes when you're doing literally the opposite. It is BS. Mm-hmm. Also. He at no point does he ever stop and think, let's go through all the facts and see what they point to. From the beginning, he just looked and said, why are they kissing? Mm -hmm. And also maybe
1: he I think he is just a sad and lonely man. And he was mad that people were in love. Oh, you know, what's also crazy is in the documentary, he makes a point to say he has four daughters. What? And that struck me as you should be more compassionate and considerate of of what you're accusing this young lady of then and if not, you have four daughters and put them in that position what would you want your daughters to have been blamed for something and accused right off the bat well he obviously has no heart
0: also we need to know a very important thing is that there was a killer called the monster of florence and manini was investigating it and decided it was some crazy satanic ritual so conspiracy. he's
1: obsessed with satanic rituals. Yeah, it's the it
0: satanic panic but in Italy and he which was in the 90s when everyone thought everyone was a devil worshiper. He assumed that this sort this murder that was going on was in a huge vast conspiracy that involved a government officials. When was this? This was a few years before the, the Knox case. The Knox case. But it was still, the investigation was still going on. There was an Italian journalist and an American journalist that were investigating. And Manini basically tried to arrest them, tapped their phones yet again. So this is a pattern of behavior for this man, mm-hmm. that he was not a impartial investigator. No. That he wanted to crack the big case. And so he sort of botched this Monster Florence case. So when the Knox case came out, he was basically trying to save his career and reputation so the stakes for this man to lie to twist the evidence and to get a conviction from the people that he arrested were super high because this was going to be his career saving case after the embarrassment of trying to arrest 20 people we got to do
1: a uh, an episode on the monster of florence because that is a crazy case that sounds very crazy well perugia had not seen a murder in 20 years and with an attractive young British woman from an affluent family as the victim and another attractive young American woman as the potential suspect, the media and tabloids were having a field day. The Italian authorities were under a lot of pressure to find the murderer and wanted to prove to the world they were capable of handling a case of this magnitude and with that decided to place a wiretap on Amanda and Raffaele's phones. Classic Menini move. The... the Media from the beginning were vultures. Disgusting. It's disgusting. When they're at the crime scene and they're about to bring the body bag out, you can hear the reporters on the documentary just saying, make sure you get the shot of the body bag. Make. I mean, and there are. Dozens of cameras going off, and the cops are saying, get back, get back, have some respect, well, have Italy's some privacy. Known, they're
0: known for the paparazzi.
1: Mm, well, there you go. Also, the journalist that is from England that's in this documentary is a real sack of shit, I can't too. think
0: of what his name is, but when Nick- you— Pisa? Yes. When you look at him on the documentary, he's what I think the devil looks like. <laughs> and when you hear him talk, very he's, what, he's what I think the devil sounds like. And then when you hear about what he did, he's definitely the devil.
1: He is the devil. Very victim-blaming. He has no morals.
0: No remorse. No remorse. And they go, how'd you get some of this really juicy secret of evidence? He's like, oh, I never reveal more mm-hmm. sources. Yeah. Like, you
1: sack of crap. He looked at them all as... Just tabloid headlines instead of people. Just wringing as much juice out as he could. Shortly after this, police called Raffaele down to the station for more questioning. Even though he was adamant that he and Amanda had been at his apartment all night, Manini wasn't satisfied and began to try and turn him against Amanda, saying she was a liar, slut, stupid cow, and didn't care about him. If you see a picture of Manini? He definitely said all those things. Oh, Yeah. After hours of this, Raffaele became confused and beat down and began to change his story, saying that he had been lying because Amanda told him to. He said that Amanda hadn't come over to his apartment that night until 1 a.m. Raffaele then signed a written statement of his new story. Well, they did say
0: they were smoking marijuana that night. And from what I learned from Dwight Schrute and Jim Halpert on The (laughs) Office, marijuana is a memory loss drug. Mm. So they may not know what they'd done that night. Um, if you ever need to know about marijuana, just come to me instead of the office. (laughs) (laughs) I love that when they, they show Creed a picture of the weed and they go, what is this? And he goes, Northern Lights, Cannabis, Indica. And Dwight's like, no, it's marijuana. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great one. I love that. That's such a good episode. So, you know, they, but this is just a classic case of really horrifying, a police abuse of power. False confessions. Just forcing them into false confessions. And poor Amanda. God, poor girl.
1: Amanda, who had been waiting in the corridor of the police station while Raffaele was being interrogated, was then told that her boyfriend had turned on her. Desperate to prove that she had not been out that night, she offered to let the officers check her cell phone. Nope, don't do that. Here they discovered a text from Amanda to Lumumba that said, Ci vediamo più tardi. Buona serata. Which translates word for word to, we will see each other later, have a good night amanda tried to explain to officers questioning her that lumumba had told her she didn't need to come into work and she was simply saying see you later but they insisted that she was literally saying that she was meeting him later and that she was so traumatized from the event that she just must not remember. Well, she's only 20 years old. No, they're totally gaslighting but her. But
0: they're completely tricking her. And I don't know. I'm just kind of a pretty hard-headed bitch. That if someone
1: said, I think you're remembering wrong, I'm like, I am not. I wonder a lot because I've seen a lot of documentaries and read a lot about false confessions. And I've always said, there's no way. But if you're in a foreign country, you're 20, you're young, you're scared. And you just, I I could see how eventually you would start to feel like you're kind of going crazy. She's already had a panic attack. If you're having anxiety and you just start to question yourself and weird stuff starts to happen to your body. You've, you physically and psychologically start to break down. Well, when you start, and you're, you have been in there for multiple hours, yeah. you haven't eaten,
0: whatever. But also they were half, mostly yellow at in Italian, too. Yes. And um, so, and she spoke Italian, but not, not 100% very well. fluently. No. She, she said in her memoir that that text message, she was doing not, so the right way to speak a foreign language is to craft sentences in that language. So, you know, in Spanish, sometimes the adjective comes after the noun or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she said that in this time in her life she was speaking italian she was so new at it Mm -hmm. that she was taking an american phrase or an english phrase which would be see you later and she translated it literally so that's why it says i will see you later yes and in italian apparently that means i will see you in a few minutes yes and that's the two different things
1: yes so it was a very lost in translation situation absolutely after hours of verbal abuse coercion and repeatedly being slapped in the head amanda said she broke and started seeing images of her front door, Lumumba, and Meredith screaming, and thought this meant that Lamumba had killed her. She then signed a written statement accusing Lamumba of murder. They
0: would call the written statements memoriales. I just thought that was a nice word. Mm, it is. But they said that, the, she said they'd slap her on the back of the head and be like, remember, does that help you remember? Does that help you remember? And they'd hit her in the back of the head. And imagine how intimidating that is. And she said, I, she goes, oh, what the fuck? And that the officer in the room had like the uh, not the bailiff but kind of the guard of the door not the one doing the interrogation said was primarily speaking italian and he said oh fuck i know what that means fuck you too so he misunderstood that she was being aggressive so they were they were being i mean they violated her her civil rights or her human rights the european court later found
1: (laughs) here's a good opportunity to remind everyone Always lawyer up. Seriously, don't hand anyone your cell phone. And,
0: I mean. Bless her heart. She was trying to be helpful. And it, and that's yeah. what they say throughout. And Rafaeli says throughout. And her lawyer said throughout. She was clearly trying to be helpful. She did not have to be at the police station that day, by the way. They called Raffaele in. And she was trying to be supportive and sit out in the corridor and wait for him. See, this is just what the tarot lady said. The dick will drag you down.
1: <laughs> what is that? she said she told
0: me i asked about my love life and she said i went to the psychic fair this week and she pulled the nothingness card and i said that's accurate with my love life and then she pulled distraction and stress and she said these are things <laughs> that romance causes and i said you are right the dick will drag you <laughs> the down dick will drag you down
1: that's a that's a mckinney mm-hmm. the original mm-hmm. on november 6 2007 amanda knox rafaeli solichito and patrick lumumba were arrested for the sexual assault and murder of meredith kircher two weeks later on november 20th patrick was released after providing an alibi for the night of the crime investigators felt this confirmed amanda's guilt and that she had falsely accused him to divert attention away from her when manini confronted her about this She said she had been stressed, tired, confused, and coerced into providing a false confession. Now,
0: when they first arrested her, they immediately took her to the uh, Kapani prison, which is where she spent her whole time. And when she got there, she was alone in her cell and... Thinking back on what she said, and immediately said, I need a piece of paper. I have to write them. I have to tell them it was not Patrick. It was not him. They put that in my head. I know for sure. Once she was quiet and had time to really shut her eyes and say what exactly happened on November first. She for knew a she knew I never left Raphaeli's house until ten in the morning and immediately tried to write. And of course the police said, Yeah, right, you're lying, you're making this up. Right.
1: During this time, Amanda was being held at a jail with other inmates. It was here she was given a blood test and told that she was HIV positive and would develop AIDS. The prison doctor told her not to worry and that the test may be wrong. Obviously, Amanda was devastated and wrote in her prison diary that she was keeping that she didn't want to die and was scared this would ruin her chances of ever having a family of her own. She also wrote in her diary a list of her past lovers and with which ones she had had and had not used protection.
0: So she gets to this Kapani prison. It's partially run by nuns because the state is so poor. And so she's given just kind of clothes out of a bag. It's basically donation clothes. And the nuns are actually pretty kind to her. But there's the man that's in charge, who's sort of the warden. And he was, first of all, just a rude asshole. And second of all, pretty much sexually ass- uh, harassed her. Mm. The whole time she was there. And as the police built this theory that she was some sort of like crazy sex obsessed vixen, he would say, oh, do you you like to have sex? Oh, what's your favorite position? Oh, what do you like? And she said she was just so awkward that she didn't say anything. And there was a priest there that she finally made friends with. And that priest really saved her life while she was
1: there. Yeah. But she said he was her best friend throughout this entire ordeal. One morning, Amanda was woken up told to leave her cell, and the police had a warrant to search its contents. Among the things they took was her prison diary. Somehow this diary was leaked to the media, and the national slut-shaming of Amanda Knox began. On Amanda's blog, she writes, The prosecution and tabloid media cast me as a femme fatale, a sex-crazed she-devil who murdered my roommate in a drug and or jealousy-fueled rage during a sex game gone wrong. It didn't matter that I had zero history of violence or mental illness or criminal behavior and that exactly zero DNA evidence placed me at the scene of the crime. The prosecution and the tabloids had already created Foxy Noxy, a figure onto which people could project their fears and fantasies, particularly those surrounding female sexuality. And that was enough to convict us.
0: They called her Foxy Noxy, her middle school soccer team, because she was swift like a fox. Yes. And it sort of stuck with her because it rhymes and it's fun. And she had it on her MySpace page because it was like a fun nickname. And they just turned this into that she was just some hot, crazed sex maniac when she was a fairly normal gal. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Nothing nothing crazy about it. Here's the other thing. If she was a hot sex maniac, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean she killed someone. The journalist in the documentary said they were all just Googling Raffaele and Amanda's names and all these pictures were coming up from MySpace. The Foxy Noxy thing came up, a picture of her at some kind of museum where she was laughing while holding a machine gun. And then another picture of Raffaele from like Halloween dressed as a mummy with a meat cleaver. And the journalist is saying, this was all gold. We couldn't have asked for anything better. These are people's lives. You are sick
0: piece of shit. Yes. And think about everyone listening right now. I want you to don't close your eyes if you're driving, but take a minute. Close your eyes. Think about all the photos of you that exist. Mm. Not that just that you've posted, but that are online on old MySpace. Zanga? Yeah, I went there. <laughs> Live journal? Maybe you posted it on MySpace. Maybe you posted it on Facebook. Maybe you had an old Facebook that you forgot about. Maybe friends posted pictures and it was before tagging existed. There was a day. I was an original Facebook user, by the way. <laughs> OG Facebook user. But that exists of you. That if you're wrongfully accused of something, who's to say that A, the the media couldn't find it, or B, that some jerk that you used to be friends with, you're not really friends anymore, Sends it in or posts it or whatever. So she says that. She said there's two possibilities here. Either I am exactly what they say and I'm a crazy, sex-obsessed monster or I'm you. Mm
1: -hmm. And this could happen to you. Yep, absolutely. To make matters both better and worse, she was not HIV positive but had been told this by the prosecution and police simply to mess with her head. And
0: also to trick her into writing
1: down all of her lovers, which was only seven – and- not, yeah. Again, even if it had been 700, her sexuality was not, that should have had nothing to do with this case. The DNA is what everyone should have been looking at, not how many people this woman had slept with, irrelevant. what she was into. All of that was absolutely irrelevant. I would also like to say the. Defense attorney for another suspect
0: that we'll get to on that documentary says, and it's all in Italian, so maybe I'm misquoting a little bit from the subtitles, but he says, the Italian justice system has been around since the 1600s, and it's the greatest justice system in the world. Here's the thing. I'm an American lawyer, and I'll tell you right now, the American justice system (laughs) is the greatest system in the whole world. It is flawed. Yes, I'll give you that. However, you are not allowed to present evidence of a potential suspect's sexual history unless – The probative value outweighs the prejudicial nature of it. And in this case, I can't see how the probative value would outweigh. It's so prejudicial. She's just
1: being slut-shamed.
0: Correct. I think so. I don't think, also, in the United States, you have to be charged within 48 hours. You have to be brought before a magistrate within 48 hours of being arrested, at least in Texas. And it's pretty much the same across the U.S. She, in Italy, if you are suspected of a crime and there is even a possibility you may flee... They can lock you up for a year without Oh wow. Without charging you. That's so call me again, Mr. A lawyer in Italy telling me your justice system's better than mine. He
1: also says in that documentary that they were solving cases and and having court while we were just painting pictures of buffaloes and caves oh right
0: oh <laughs> right call me when you have the bill of rights Ooh,
1: there is an american flag out right now you guys
0: <laughs> i'll put what does toby Key say we'll put a boot in your ass i will just say i swore an oath to protect uphold and defend the constitution and
1: i'll defend it to her day as you should she'll never die Raffaele was also being held in jail when police searched his apartment and found a knife that matched the description of the one that might have been used in the murder. The knife was tested, and Amanda's DNA was found on the handle, while Meredith's was found on the tip of the blade. Amanda said she could not explain this and that it was simply impossible. I just want to repeat what you
0: said. A knife that matched the description of the one that might Might have been used. Yes, yes. You know, can you describe a knife for me, Christy? It's long, it has a blade, it's sharp. Does it have a handle too? Yes, yeah. that's the one. We <laughs> found it. We found, found it. We found the- Guys, look for that, please. We found the knife.
1: <laughs> Authorities were also claiming that Raffaele's DNA had been found on Meredith's blood-soaked bra clasp found on her bedroom floor. In addition, they also had a match to a bloody palm print found on a pillowcase at the crime scene and the semen found inside Meredith's vagina. These belonged to Rudy Good day. So the bra clasp had been separated from the actual bra. Correct. And the bra was also soaked in blood. But the DNA that they use as evidence in this case was what they found on this actual clasp. Well,
0: and they said it it, it was on the clasp, but that the bra had been sliced off. I could never reconcile that.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. No,
0: why would you? A man who's not in some sort of a murderous rage can hardly fiddle with a bra clasp and get right. it off. And if it's later, maybe, I don't know, maybe their theory
1: was that he was trying to, he couldn't get it off, and, and then, then he slashed, slashed it open. Yeah. So, Rudy Gaudet. Born December 26, 1986, Gaudet was originally from the Ivory Coast, but moved to Italy at the age of six. A wealthy Perusian family took him in, but when he turned into a lazy teenager, they disowned him, leaving him penniless and desperate. He was known around Perugia for being a shady character that drank a lot, used drugs, and had a history of hassling women and stealing their handbags. He also once threw a rock through a law firm's window and stole a laptop from inside. When police went to question Gade about Meredith's murder, they discovered he had already fled the country. That's what innocent people do. That's pretty telling, don't you think? A friend of Gade's, who also happened to be a police informant, was able to contact him via Skype while the police recorded the call. Gade revealed he had been at Amanda and Meredith's apartment the day of the murder, but that he and Meredith had not had sex because neither one of them had a condom. He said he then went to the bathroom, heard screaming, and when he came out, he saw an unidentified man run out of the house. According to Gade, Meredith's throat had been slashed and he became covered in blood as she clung to him for dear life. Gade told his friend that he was scared and that he was thinking about killing himself. He also said that the media was wrong and that Amanda wasn't involved and hadn't even been there.
0: I think this is a classic case of half truth of someone admitting, well, I was there, but I didn't do it.
1: Also, have you ever said you're going to kill yourself because you were innocent about something? No. Yeah. An international arrest warrant was issued, and on November twentieth, two 2007, Gide was arrested in Germany and extradited back to Italy a few weeks later. Gaday's lawyer said that he always maintained he didn't kill Meredith, but was in the house the night of the murder. Prosecutors began to spin the theory that Meredith had been the victim of a drug-fueled sex game between Amanda, Raffaele, and Gaday that had gone terribly wrong. The media even spun tales that she had been a sacrifice in a satanic ritual. So basically anything other than, this guy probably tried to break into their house, she was there. And then he raped and murdered her.
0: Well, also, they Amanda in her memoir points out that November twentieth is the day after they released Patrick Lumumba. So the Italian police refused to release Patrick Lumumba until they had the other. Another suspect. third person. Because they were suspect. convinced
1: that three people had been involved.
0: And in Meredith's this. family was convinced that not that she would have been able to fight one person off and they it had to have been more than one person, which is a very Beautiful thing to think that if your daughter was attacked, that she would be able to handle herself if yeah. it was just one person. But that's not evidence. There's no evidence that anyone else was in the
1: bedroom except for Rudy Gaudet. They also were convinced and are still convinced that Amanda did it.
0: There's no evidence yeah, that he was in the bedroom except Rudy And, Gaudet. you know,
1: I think that they're just so grief-stricken that you kind of – I don't know. In that situation, maybe – She's the first one that they accuse, and you kind of just shut off after that because you can't continue to hear these gruesome details and go to these trials and hearings and put yourself through it.
0: And Manini was a very dramatic speaker. And can you imagine if your only lifeline to the case is getting phone calls from this Manini guy who's like, you have no idea. She's a drug crazed slut. Mm -hmm. She definitely did it. You know, and just being saying these horrible things about Amanda, who who obviously can't speak out for herself, except for by virtue of her diary, which she thought she was writing for herself and then was leaked to the press. It's also
1: so sad how really after the first day or two, Meredith became a nobody in this case. She was
0: really – I mean in the trial they did and they painted her in a way that was really not true. They tried to say she was completely a virgin. She was totally – she was super studious. And Amanda said she had – we were really similar. We wanted to study but we also wanted to
1: have fun. And she had a guy she was dating and I was dating a guy. And, you know – She was also a totally normal girl. The complete – focus, though, became on Amanda yeah. instead of the actual, and Amanda was a victim as well, but the victim that lost her life to this kind of got lost in the shuffle and of And Amanda,
0: Amanda said that when she was in jail, and she was really thinking, okay, I'm going to face the rest of my life in jail, but I'm actually the one that got off better mm-hmm. because, you
1: know, it could have been. She had still had her life. Yeah. yeah. In a smart move by Gade's attorney, he opted for a fast-track trial in order to distance his client from Amanda and Raffaele. A fast-track trial is closed to the public, limits the number of witnesses and kinds of evidence that can be submitted. And if convicted, defendants typically receive lighter sentences. Is this a thing in the U.S. No, too? This is just over there? You
0: either have a sentence or you have a trial or you plea out.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And on the documentary, his attorney says... He, because Amanda and Raffaele are also, tried together.
0: His attorney's name is Biscotti.
1: <laughs> Very nice.
0: And, and he's a little man
1: and he's like, you give him in a cup of coffee. He looks like he, uh, the classic Italian little man. I'm sorry. I hate this guy because he talks shit about America. <laughs> I will never forgive him. <laughs> if they hadn't gone for this fast track trial, all three of them would have been tried together. Mm-hmm. And his attorney's concern was that that would give amanda and raffaele's lawyers a chance to pin everything on g'day because he's the one that did it exactly so by doing this fast track and separating them and having separate trials he was able to have more control over what was going to be admittable what his client would say and the questions that were going to be asked so i mean it's if you had the opportunity it was a good move. yeah it's a good move by his by his attorney for sure during his trial, Gidey testified and changed his story about what happened that night. He now claimed that when he heard Meredith screaming and came out of the bathroom, that he looked out the window and saw Amanda walking away from the house. Despite this, Gidey was still found guilty for the sexual assault and murder of Meredith Kircher, and on October 28, 2008, was sentenced to 30 years in prison. His lawyers appealed this decision, and what many would consider an already light sentence for the severity of this crime was reduced to a mere 16 years. This
0: guy, wow. DNA evidence has proven all over the room. There, his his handprint was on her pillowcase. His DNA was in his semen was found in her vagina. His he did this crime. Yes. OK, he did this crime. 16 years, 16 years. And there's no evidence of anyone else in the room. So his story about somebody else did it or I had somebody with me. Bullshit. He's getting out in 16 years.
1: Tell me again how America's not a good country. <laughs> I would also like to say, as far as this fast track, I don't know much about it because it's not a thing that happens in the U.S. I feel like there should be some limitations to the type of crime that you can do it on. Like a
0: murder, maybe? Yeah, you a should murder have a murder and a full, rape. A full trial, I feel maybe. like you should
1: have to have a full
0: trial on and that And this one. is, again, I'm going to repeat, I love the country of Italy. It's a beautiful place. I'm just mad at Mr. Biscotti.
1: But not biscottis.
0: Not the biscotti. Well, Those I can't have them due
1: to having gluten in um, them. But
0: the beautiful country of Italy, everywhere you go, almost everywhere you go, they have gluten-free options. Oh, it is a wonderful, nice. magical place. That's very
1: nice. On the same day Gidei was found guilty, the judge also ruled that Amanda and Raffaele would also have to stand trial on charges of sexual assault and murder. On January 16, 2009, the trial of Amanda Knox and Raffaele Solicito opened in Perugia before presiding judge Giancarlo Massai. Did I say that right? I think so. All right. On June 12th, 2009, Amanda took the stand and testified, saying she had not seen Meredith since the afternoon before her murder, provided an alibi for the night of the murder, and the police had beat her into making a false statement. Despite both her and Raffaele's pleas of innocence, on December 26th, 2009, An eight member jury convicted both of them on charges of sexual assault and murder and sentenced Amanda to 26 years in an Italian prison and Raffaele to 25. Let's be fair. The DNA evidence that was presented, or the
0: evidence that was presented, which was supposedly the knife from Raffaele's house that had Amanda's DNA on the handle, which makes sense because she dated him and was at his house, but that also supposedly had Meredith's DNA on the blade, was presented to the jury, mm-hmm. and they presented the bra clasp Bra clasp that supposedly had Raffaele's DNA on the clasp. Yes. So the jury... As you like to say shit the bed. (laughs) I do like to say that. They were given this evidence. They were given this evidence, yes. Which this would not have been admissible evidence in the United States. I didn't I did not think this would turn into an an episode of me being super patriotic. (laughs) And let me tell you I can't wait to get all these Italian DMs. (laughs) We're gonna a lot. Let me tell you, the United States prison industrial complex is a
1: nightmare and does a lot of bad things. One hundred percent. I still believe in the constitution when it's applied properly. (laughs) During this time, Patrick Lumumba also sued Amanda for defamation of character for saying he was the one guilty of the murder. I mean, that's a fair... Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I think he has every right to do that. She was ordered to pay 22,000 euros to him for compensation. Three years later, on November 24th, 2010, the appeals trial for both Amanda and Raffaele began. The lawyers were claiming key evidence in the case had been mishandled, and the judge ordered that the knife found at Raffaele's apartment and Meredith's bra class were to be re examined for DNA. Yes,
0: yeah, she was there. Her parents would come and visit. Her parents were split up. She had a stepmom and a stepdad, too. And they all rented one apartment in Perugia and would take turns visiting her. Mm. And they said she said both of her parents mortgaged their houses and worked, you know, constantly to pay for her defense Golly. and to, you know, pay for all the trips back and forth. Mm-hmm. She
1: also had two younger sisters. Yes. Dr. Stefano Conti and Dr. Carla Vecchiati, both independent forensic experts, were brought in to re-examine these key pieces of evidence. Conti reviewed the police tapes of the crime scene and quickly realized it had not been secured or kept sterile. Yep. People were coming and going, protective booties weren't changed, leading to cross-contamination, and gloves hadn't been changed between handling pieces of evidence. In the
0: prosecution's questioning, they, they got questioned. Some of the police officers got questioned, especially this female police officer who was key in sl- basically slapping Amanda a lot and then also contaminating the crime scene she shit the bed is
1: she the one that kicked down the door I think or so. the window yeah yeah she
0: was nuts they had video tapes of the uh, all of the people in the crime scene wearing gloves and touching everything with the same gloves and picking stuff up off the ground and moving it and putting it down and picking it up and the person her uh Amanda's lawyer was questioning her and said was this single-use gloves or were they multi-use gloves? And she said, what are you talking about? And it was basically these international standards for forensics and for crime scene investigation were being totally ignored. Wow. And she said, they were, they were single-use gloves. And he said, oh, okay, so you took the gloves off every single time you touched another piece of evidence. And she said, no. Hmm.
1: And you're really supposed to do yeah, that. <laughs> absolutely. Vecchiotti was tasked with taking a fresh look at the knife and bra class. Upon re-examining what authorities had thought to be the murder weapon, Vecchiotti discovered that while Amanda's DNA profile on the handle was strong, Meredith's DNA on the blade was so scarce that it was most likely a case of contamination. Vecchiotti asked the lab if they had examined the knife completely by itself and was told that it had been examined at the same time they were also examining 50 of Meredith's samples. Oh, my Vecchiati now believed that Meredith's DNA on the knife was 100% due to contamination and therefore inconclusive. So they just had all sorts of stuff just out on this table that transfer DNA is just jumping from one thing to the next. And you can't keep it straight. No. Raffaele's DNA had been found on Meredith's bra clasp, which did seem suspicious. However, Vecchiati learned the bra clasp had been found 46 days after the murder under a rug in Meredith's bedroom. Because trace DNA is so easily transferred, it is quite possible the crime scene not being secure and the shoddy work by the police led to contamination. She also found that two other unknown males' DNA were on the clasp, but police never noted it as evidence. In the Netflix documentary... Vecchiati once again reminds us that DNA is objective and cannot be cherry-picked to support a theory. And
0: this is when he's on the stand and being cross-examined by the prosecution, who's obviously kind of trying to defend themselves. They said, show us, show us in this video exactly when it got transferred. Show us whenever it got contaminated. And he said, there's like eight people with very dirty gloves. He said, you can see in the video Mm -hmm. that it's literally just funk on their gloves and they're picking they lift the rug they pick the bra clasp up and eight different people in this one very short uh, period of time were sitting there touching it back and forth and he said it's not up to me to tell you when it was contaminated it's up to you to show me that it wasn't contaminated and you can you can't do that now because he said from the instant it was found it was manhandled by people with just dirty gloves on and all i can imagine is just a blue latex glove just smudged with Mm -hmm. just dark colors and The prosecution was very obviously they were incensed and very defensive of their police tactics, which here's the thing, man. Italy is a completely modern country. And I'm sure ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time they are fantastic at their jobs. But this particular crew that was jacking around in there really, really messed
1: up. They completely destroyed this evidence is the burden of proof in italy do you know if it's on the prosecution or on the defense
0: in italy up until 1989 they had what was called an inquisitorial system which is what happened way back in the day in england too and you hear about like the star court and whenever you would be thrust before an unfair judge and a prosecutor and they were working together basically and you had to prove that you were innocent versus Mm -hmm. in the u.s and that's why our founding fathers set up the system like they did because they knew the inherent unfairness of the system. But in 1989, the Italian system changed to more similar to the U.S., where the judge is becomes an impartial reviewer of the facts, and the prosecutor is then the one that's trying to prove the okay. beyond okay. So doubt the burden of
1: proof is still on it the goes on the prosecutor. There's okay. a couple
0: of differences. So in Italy, you don't have to take an oath and promise that you tell the truth when you take the stand as a defendant, and then. There's no actual – in Italy, there's no actual trial by peer's option. Usually the trial is decided by a panel of judges. But as in this case, the judge will appoint two judges and then six citizens. So that's why they said a jury of eight convicted her. And usually in, in the U.S., as with the O.J. Simpson case, when it's a super high profile media, they said Amanda Knox's case was on TV. She said when she was in prison, her TV, she was, her face was on her own TV all the yeah. time. And so in the U.S., you would sequester the jury, which means they're trapped in a hotel room and they can't watch TV and their minds can't be warped by what's yeah. going on in the Influenced. media. But in Italy, they don't have sequester sequestration. They don't they do not sequester the lay judges until the deliberations phase. So that means the people that are presiding over the case are listening to
1: the media and taking in information from multiple angles and not just what they're hearing in the courtroom. The media that has completely vilified and slut shamed Amanda and has already in the in their eyes, she's already been tried and hanged. Yes. And you have to
0: have a unanimous verdict, although in the US, otherwise it's a hung jury. And in Italy just has to be a majority. Don't even have to have all of them. Oof. So that's uh, pretty tough. Also, the, the deal is a bunch of judges have been on the bench for multiple decades, and they're used to the more inquisitorial style system where they're kind of on the prosecutor's side. Right. So even though the law changed in the late 80s, maybe not all judges necessarily view their new role in that way. They that's maybe still point. think the old way. Yeah.
1: Well, based on this new evidence provided by Vecchiati and Conti, the court ruled that the original DNA evidence was unreliable, and on October 3rd, 2011, four years after Meredith's brutal murder, Amanda and Raffaele's convictions were overturned, and the judge ordered for them to be released immediately. While most of Italy was outraged and felt justice had not been served, Amanda was elated and immediately flew back home to Seattle, where she issued a tearful news conference at the airport thanking everyone that had stood by her over the years.
0: Yeah, she said that she had just finished seeing the priest that she was best friends with and went back to her cell. And by the time she got back to her cell, it had been on TV and her roommates told her. And she said I, she went and asked the guard, can you please let me go back down and t- talk to the priest? because I want to tell him my good news. And he said, see, I told you, you just had to have faith. You just had to believe. Mm. And then she ended up going home.
1: However, the nightmare was not yet over. On March 26, 2013, an Italian court threw out Amanda and Raffaele's acquittal, this time citing circumstantial evidence, including Amanda's bizarre behavior and past intimate relationships. That's on evidence. This new guilty verdict would be appealed to Italy's Supreme Court. And the smart folks on Italy's Supreme Court. <laughs> In September 2015, the Italian Supreme Court, said that, quote, stunning flaws in the investigation and the media creating a, quote, frantic search for guilty parties led to the decision to exonerate both Amanda and Raffaele and found a complete lack of biological traces connecting them to the murder. See, they're
0: smart. They looked at evidence and they didn't just. It get only took eight wrapped. years. Didn't just get wrapped
1: up like this Menini guy in proving himself right. The court went on to say that all the evidence pointed to Rudy Gaudet being guilty of murdering Meredith Kircher. After eight long years, Amanda, Raffaele, and their families were finally free. Sadly, Meredith's family, convinced of Amanda's guilt and wanting to see her back in prison, were left heartbroken and without closure. So while Meredith's family was convinced of Amanda's guilt, Gaudet's prison cell inmate painted a different picture.
0: Yes, he testified as well. And Amanda covers this all in her memoir. This man was named Alessi, and he said that he was out in the prison yard and that Gidey approached him and said, hey, you've been in here for a while. What would be the negative parts of me just telling the truth? And Alessi said, well, I'm not a lawyer, but it's always good to tell the truth. What do you want to tell the truth about? And Gidey said, well, I want to tell the truth about what really happened that day. And he claims that he he and a friend saw meredith at a bar a few days earlier and she saw them said hi or whatever but nothing came of it he said he and his friend on november 1st decided to go to her house they knocked on her door and she invited them in just to visit because she recognized them and that they sat on her couch and in some very explicit terms they asked her if she would have a three-way with them she said no obviously not get out of my house G'day said, well, is it okay if I use your bathroom? He says he goes to the bathroom because he ate a bad kebab and he was sick. Goes to the bathroom, comes out, and when he comes out, his friend has her laying on the ground and has her arms pinned behind her head. This part is where it takes a turn. G'day says he straddles her and immediately starts masturbating onto her. escalates very quickly he said they're turning her around they're sexually assaulting her and the friend is trying to assault her from the front while Gade has his knee in the in her back and she's viciously fighting them and that's when his friend pulls out a knife with an ivory handle that's smaller than the knife that was found in Raffaele's apartment which the police later found an impression of this knife in her bed sheet and realized that the one from Raffaele's apartment was too big and the friend pulls out the knife and starts threatening her and when she's thrashing about it cuts her on her chin which explains those cuts the friend then is holding the knife so close to her that when she really tries to get up it cuts her throat again this is what is saying i think he's a big fan of partial confessions i don't think there was a friend the well and
1: even if there was the slashes on her throat were described as someone that did not know what they were doing yeah and tried several times to Slash her throat, but wasn't hitting the main arteries yeah. and just hitting bone. And then eventually they did cut a main artery, But that it would have taken about 10 minutes for her to bleed out. So she was suffering for quite a while. Well,
0: he says that the friend accidentally nicked her and she started bleeding a lot. And that Rudy, he tried to help her. He said he grabbed some clothes and tried to hold her down and hold the wound down. But she was still fighting. And he says his friend told him, well, we have to finish her off. Otherwise, she's going to call the police and we're going to rot in jail. So then he says his friend stabbed her to death exactly what you said and that Rudy felt really bad so he covered her up the friend ran off Rudy covered her up Rudy left met his friend at a bar the friend said you need to leave the country you need to go to Germany which is where Rudy went here's some money and Rudy said I think it was money that he stole from Meredith because that was another of the police theories was it was some sort of money fight because 300 euro were missing from Meredith's stuff and then Rudy said he went to Germany and didn't hear from his friend anymore I think and the Alessi guy was found to be a credible witness. He testified. And I think this was G'day's way of confessing what happened. Very similar to Mr. O.J. Simpson. I, think it, I don't think there was a friend. You know how O. G says, oh, mm-hmm. my friend Charlie was with mm-hmm. me? That's a way. I think that's – you can tell me you know more about psychology than me. I think it's a way for someone to personify this evil part of them that did this crime Mm -hmm. that that happened exactly what what the way rudy said except for him going to the bathroom and coming out and finding her i think he opened he was in visiting with her propositioned her for for sex and when she was struggling he held her down and then he killed her
1: yeah it's a way of disassociating from it so you're you can actually function yeah your brain doesn't go crazy push the
0: culpability off Mm -hmm. onto an imaginary friend
1: yeah so i think that's what if you know,
0: we always say, "What do we think happened?" I think, I mean, we first of all we know Rudy Guede did it. He did it. Period. His yeah. DNA is on the crime scene. When you watch the Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix, they do a diagram of Meredith Kircher's room and where all the DNA was. All it's, it's all, all over, over the all room. Over.
1: And while there were two unknown male DNAs on the bra clasp, again, could have been transfer DNA from all of the officers, people walking around. Also. It could have just been another dude's DNA that had yeah. nothing to do with this. Because it was under the rug for yeah, 46 days. exactly. Or, I mean, it's on her bra from who knows when, you yeah. know?
0: And at the end of the day, like you said, people forgot about Meredith and what mm-hmm. happened to her. And it was she was brutally assaulted, brutally, brutally mm-hmm. killed by a, har- a person who escalated. He started out snatching bags. Then he started breaking and entering. Then he breaks in and, and escalates to sexual assault.
1: And people that knew him in the neighborhood said... He did a lot of cocaine. He would get real crazy when he was on those drugs, that he had been playing basketball with some friends and then stopped. And they thought that maybe he stopped because he started showing some signs of mental illness. This guy, absolutely, I think he did it. If somebody was a real Sherlock Holmes, they would have known that from the beginning. Yeah. It's pretty crazy that he also had 16 years. And half of that's gone now. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be out. Horrifying. He'll be out not not too long from now. Horrifying. Well, where are the other ones? In 2014, Amanda Knox graduated college and now advocates for the wrongfully convicted. She recently partnered with Broadly, a division of Vice that focuses on women, to launch a Facebook watch series called the Scarlet Letter Reports, which focuses on women that have been victims of slut shaming, online harassment, Revenge porn, or any of the hundred other ways the media can humiliate or demonize a woman simply by being a woman. God, I love how you write. <laughs> she said she still deals with harassment on her character on a regular daily basis. She's
0: really become She is a fantastic. Victim. And and when in her interview on Megan Kelly, she points out as far as she she does a lot of stuff for slut shaming and women, but she also does a ton of work for the wrongfully convicted. Yeah. And she points out that she said, normally the wrongfully convicted is going to be a young African-American man who gets totally bulldozed by the system. And, and doesn't have
1: the funds and doesn't to have hire the, the right people. Exactly.
0: And, or the privilege even. I yeah. mean, in this case, it, it sort of swung against her being a pretty white girl. They said, oh, she must be a slut. I mm-hmm. mean, you can't win. And she talked about that too, about as far as females being demonized. She said when she cried, Menini would be like, oh, you're just manipulative. You're just crying. Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, I have to be strong. I can't cry. And
1: he's like, look at her. She's not even crying. Mm-hmm. She's a robot. She doesn't have any feelings. She couldn't win. No, And she says that the a young black man that's typically the one that is mm-hmm. villainized, it's because of his race. Yes. Because she was a young, white, college-educated woman. They used the one thing that the media will use against women, and that is their sexuality. Yep, absolutely. And they 100% did that. They created this monster that they wanted to be able to lock away. And instead of looking at the evidence, they just painted this picture of her being a sex crazed woman that that would kill her roommate over a guy she'd been dating for five days. When you say it out loud, it's so insane. Yeah. That it got to the point that for eight years she was in an Italian prison for something she didn't do. I just want to say again, if you say they also said when
0: you said there was a potential satanic ritual, when they come through Raffaele's past, he had downloaded one Marilyn Manson song. Oh, <laughs> good. Jesus. And Manini was like, "Well, that shows there right it is. there." He was <laughs> there obviously it. a Satan worshipper. Oh my God! I just want to say, Mister Manini, may, Signore Manini. I hope you're listening. You're a fucking idiot. You first really of all. Are. Second of all, you are not even close to Sherlock Holmes. You will never be as Looks smart like to Sherlock a fucking Holmes. potato.
1: He does. He's just a mean potato. What's an Italian potato called? I don't know. A it, potato.
0: I know, I like in Italy instead of L, like in Spanish, it's il.
1: It's it's a beautiful language. It is. It's a gorgeous language. Gorgeous country. This guy. Piece of shit. I'm so sorry. Sorry. sorry he's one. And let me just say, as you know from this sh-
0: tel- this television show, this uh, radio show you're listening to now, the U.S. has
1: shat out its fair share of O.J. Simpson. Uh, I mean, every case and, we've talked about up until now has yes, been in the U.S. So I, I don't think.
0: want anyone to, to think that we're besmirching the great nation of Italy. It's a gorgeous place filled with kind people, welcoming people yeah. who have just unfortunately born this horrible man. Yes.
1: And, side note, or not even a side note, everyone go check out the Scarlet Letter reports. They are fantastic. She interviews people. I can't remember her name exactly, but she was a big player in the Gamergate scandal that happened a few years back with women being um, targeted and targeted and harassed in the gaming community online. She speaks with Amber Rose, who was vilified and called a gold digger and a slut after dating Kanye West. And it's really... She makes a really good point of saying there's – we need as women and as just people to stop thinking of these are celebrities. Okay, they're called a gold digger or a slut. There's no difference than calling a teenage girl in high school a hoe. They're they're the same thing, and we become so – Like, desensitized to it. Desensitized and jaded to it that it just becomes words we're saying, and we forget – how much weight those words carry, that then it becomes this systemic way of how women are viewed. Especially when things like this happen, and then it's the first thing that people go to to use to attack them.
0: Absolutely. Shoot, that's what this was.
1: This was a misogynist on a rampage it was against witch a hunt. woman. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Raffaele runs his own internet company and serves as a true crime expert on Italian TV, which and I he, love, by the way. And he's very <laughs> handsome. He is very good looking. Rudy Gaudet... Was recently granted day release from prison. Oh
0: goody! He walks among us and
1: continues to maintain his innocence.
0: Well, he had DNA inside the, the
1: victim's body, so if you're in Italy, watch out for this dude because he's on the he's on the loose. Yeah. And despite his numerous foul-ups, in this case and others, Manini was promoted to general prosecutor. Fire that man! That's,
0: God. Yeah. It's one thing if you run amok. With evidence that sort of points. He had to do
1: evidence. It wasn't he even said good that evidence. when he when Amanda and Raffaele were originally arrested before the conviction was overturned, that he would walk around the town and people would shake his hand and tell him thank you. And that he just felt such a sense of pride. He was so arrogant that. It became it became his story and about him and that look what I he was a hero he was a hero because
0: this was a story of redemption because he screwed up the monster of Florence case so badly and he really was it was that was another just a hunt for people that were not involved that there's an article in the guardian where it talks about, I think it's in the guardian UK that talks about la fatia, which is like the face that he was trying to save face, that Mm -hmm. this was a man with an ego that had been badly, badly bruised. He was charged with abuse of power in the monster of Florence case after Amanda and Raffaele's very first conviction. It was very suspicious timing. They clearly waited until Amanda and Raffaele's conviction came out before they were, willing to charge Manini with why his abuse of power. Why was he not pulled from this case? I don't know. Why, why was he, he promoted to general know. prosecutor? I don't know what's going on. man. I don't know. Well, I think we've talked about what we think. I think that G'day's confession was him confessing. Yeah. And that that's exactly yeah. what happened. And the evidence completely points to that. Absolutely. And that Manini is no Sherlock Holmes and never will be.
1: <laughs> no. Oh, man. what? So, a, that's a doozy. It is a doozy. But it's... Tragic and sad as it was, I really love that Amanda is now using what she went through for a greater good Mm -hmm. and didn't let it destroy her. She also said that the years that she spent in prison, she decided... I'm not going to waste one day of my life, even though I'm in here. She learned – she now knows how to speak beautiful fluent Italian. She learned many languages. She studied. She read. She kept up all the things she – She played guitar. She played
0: piano. She would play in the choir or play alongside the mass. With the nun, Yeah. Yeah, She she did
1: everything she set out to do in Italy, find herself and and study abroad. She wrote every day
0: so she could keep track and – Honestly, I've read a lot of books for this show. I have uh, force-fed forced fed myself many of them. Her memoir I found to be quite delightful. She's a it's fantastic a lot, woman. It's a lot less about the case. There's some, I mean, obviously, it's a, a lot about the case, but a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff and a lot more about her time in prison, which is so fascinating. We don't really talk about it here. It's, it's interesting, obviously, that the crime's kind of what we're focused on. But I will say I'm a huge Amanda Knox fan. Oh, same here. After all this, she is just using this platform that was given to her, that was thrust upon her, frankly, yeah.
1: for the the best good. Yeah, none of them asked for this. And it's funny because Let alone I... Meredith, who is the most tragic part of this story. And I hope that her family can somehow find closure— in all of this, and,
0: and I mean, can you? Whenever the cr- the criminals are no. you know, getting freed I don't in 16 think you years, can. and I think also it's important that we're covering this. Uh, not that our platform is humongous, but we do have a f- our fair share of beautiful listeners who we love dearly. But when I mentioned I was doing this case to to someone who you know kind of not really into true crime, just said, "Oh yeah, that's that crazy slutty girl that killed her roommate." Mm-hmm. I said, "Nay, nay, <laughs> you would
1: be surprised <laughs> right? what happened." But that is immediate, and and she said, I think in the documentary she says. If you Google Amanda Knox, there are 7.1 million hits of her name. And the majority of those are not favorable. And she did not ask for this. And Raffaele also says when he got out of prison, he remembers just going home and standing in front of his refrigerator, happy, but also extremely depressed. And just looking at this refrigerator, thinking... I feel like a caveman. Just I don't. E- out. I don't know how to start over. And that's very common of people that have been locked up and when Wrongfully they get out. accused. Yeah. Yes. Or even rightfully accused. True. When they get out, they don't know how to live their lives anymore. Yeah. And he said, I didn't ask for this life. I, he was very shy. He just wanted to be an everyday Joe Schmo. And he said now he, he can't go anywhere. He's basically like a movie star in his town. Yes, without people saying something. And Amanda said she'll be in line at the grocery store and someone behind her will hey i know you. yeah and she wants to turn around and say fuck you you don't know me no and that's that's what's no matter how far they get away from this it's still gonna you're still gonna have those people that say oh yeah that crazy slut that killed her roommate yeah that's the immediate connotation they have when they hear her name And and, it's, and that guy that british Fucking guy. I want to say his nickname was Nick Pisa. Don't quote me on that. I do believe it was Nick something.
0: But the guy on the Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix has zero remorse for his huge role in completely misconstruing all of her background, her history, her past, and totally turning... He created this fake
1: character ruining a woman's life and Mm -hmm. has uh, no remorse. Zero. He said it was his job. In fact, I believe he said... We were just reporting the facts we were given. No, you were not. What was I supposed to do? Turn around and somehow go fact check it? I think that's what journalism credibility does. Literally, what journalists (laughs) are supposed to do. And you could tell,
0: you could tell he. Ate that up. He, oh, he loved is it. Happy. At no point does he think, "Man, I must have done something wrong." I could go on about how much I hate him and Manini for another hour, so I will stop. <laughs> but watch the documentary. It's and very you let, good. Let me know how you feel. Let me know if you feel real warm and fuzzy about him <laughs> afterwards. It's very. It's very good. Well, some things that we do feel warm and
1: fuzzy about.
0: Uh, shout out to Carrie, uh, a listener, for telling us to do this and, and multiple other listeners. But she was the most recent one that told us to do this topic. Yes.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Also, we had so many listeners come out to our improv show with The Cult this past Saturday. It was so nice to meet you guys. And- so nice. We had Angela. She drove two hours both ways. Shout Crazy. out. Crazy. I hope it was a good show for you. Morgan. Diana and Nina, who were friends of our friend Camille, who is an improviser, who brought them out. She said, I don't listen to your show Thank because you. true crime really scares me, <laughs> but several of my friends do. And they saw you were having a show and they asked me if I would bring them. And I said, well, Camille, we don't just do true crime if you like paranormal and stuff. So maybe she'll start listening. Maybe you guys can uh, peer pressure her into it. Also, yes. shout out to Marilyn and Heather for coming out. Yes, always, good always to see good them. Always good to see them. Also, shout out to on Twitter at Labels for Lunch. She is a fabulous fashion, beauty, and lifestyle blogger, and she included us on a very nice list of her favorite podcasts. I to follow her to. now.
0: I follow her now, and I love her.
1: She's she's very funny and uh, very likable. Yeah, we also had Blake who emailed us a crazy story. About getting lost in Colorado as a 10-year-old, which was very oh, interesting. Spooky. And also, if you have in, in any kind of interesting, crazy stories like that, let us know. We always love hearing about them because it makes us realize this happens to so many people. It's true. Also, shout out to all the folks I met at the
0: Psychic Fair, including Sana and a pretty name beth uh, she was super fun and she brought her friend who's a, a recent listener convert and uh elizabeth i did not get to see you but she did say she saw me we were crossing paths she came to the last one too we were crossing paths on our way to our readings and yes. also super shout out to Bethany and Colton who came and they, I was talking to Sana and then before I left, Bethany said, I'm sorry, I don't want to bother you.
1: Always bother me, yes. you guys. I love to be bothered. We, my whole life is me being bothered by someone. Come, so no, please it, come bother and me. And it's
0: never a bother. I love talking to yes, people and true. we do it
1: for hours. And
0: at Akizali Noriega on Instagram, who met me at the Psychic Fair, was so nice and friendly and I was thinking about starting a podcast as well. And I said, do it. Do it. You guys, it. you all have something to say. Go and say it.
1: It's so much fun. Well, the best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You guys do that all the time, and it means so much to us. And Thank it you. really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure.
0: Also, mark your calendars. We do have a live show recording. I know you guys have been asking. It's going to be Saturday, March 30th at the Dallas Comedy Festival, and the tickets will go on sale Pretty quickly here, we will definitely post the time, exact time, as well as the ticket link as soon as we know it.
1: But we do know the show is going to be Saturday, March thirtieth. Save the date!
0: Save the date, you guys.
1: Yes, Heather, where can you be found on social media?
0: You can find me on Instagram at heather the world or on Twitter at mck vs the world. Christy, where can they find all
1: your hot takes? Oh man, they are so many places. Mainly on Instagram at Christy and Wallace or Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Also. I do most of my stuff on Facebook, and if anybody wants to friend me on Facebook, I'm pretty easily found. It's just Christy Wallace, and I will accept your friend requests. You can also like Sinisterhood on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sinisterhood Pod. Look at that.
0: Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, again, the beautiful country of Italy. Please don't be <laughs> mad. I love you. Like I said, this is a .00001 percent, not even greater –
1: than that. We love Italy. We love all our listeners, especially Canadians. Sorry again, Canada. (laughs) I owe you guys. As always, the devil rules the
0: airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister...